So this evening, um, I'm going to be preaching about the crazy church. And how many of you here today, you've been enjoying the series? How many are you saying, um, you know what, it's really been, it's really been helping me. But I want to say that my greatest memories of my life have been in church. My greatest memories. I know many times we think about all the things that have went wrong in church. And we could get discouraged about it. But the greatest memories that I do have are in church. They're being there with God's people and laughing and enjoying life. And I remember, uh, how many of you remember being at conference and just magnifying the Lord and just feeling the presence of God? And how many of you know of teen retreats where you're worshiping the Lord and all of a sudden you're, you're just feel, you, you just know that there's something beautiful about different churches coming together and the fellowship coming together. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing being in that place, being in that place of worshiping God. I remember getting married at church. I remember be, uh, d- dedicating my children there at church. I remember um, learning how to be a, a husband at church, learning how to be a, a disciple at church, learning how to be a man of God at church. Just amazing times being in the house of the Lord. And I think about all the great memories, they outweigh the bad memories. There's, there's, they outweigh the bad memories. And the reality is this, is that anywhere we go, there's going to be tough times, even in church sometimes. But if you think about all the good memories that God has done inside of your life at church, and you just start thinking about the good things, you know what it's going to do? It's just going to remind you, man, it's so beautiful to magnify the Lord with brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. It's, so, it's such a beautiful thing to magnify him and to worship him and to give him all the honor and to give him all the glory and to give him all the praise. So being in church, we're going to face things, but even when we face those things, we always have to look at the good things, the good things. Like today, we had the privilege to worship the Lord as a community. It's a privilege. For those that are watching online, you had the privilege to worship the Lord there in your living room, to worship God and the worship team. They led us into worship. They led us into the presence of the Lord. And we're able to worship him. We're able to praise him. We're able to give him honor. We're able to give him glory. So we're thinking about all these things of a healthy church. There's no such thing as a perfect church, but we do want a healthy church. So we went over them. The healthy church, it lives and leads in humility. That's one uh, number two is a healthy church is striving for unity. We know that we do strive for unity in the body of Christ. Amen. Number three is a healthy church teaches God's infallible word. The next one is the healthy church does not control people's lives, but encourages them to honor God according to God's word. The next one, a healthy church evangelizes the lost. And that's what we're going to be doing tomorrow night. That's what we're, we can do any day. There's, there's people that we can tell about Christ anywhere we go. The next one is the healthy church holds their leaders and pastors accountable. That means that uh, you're able to approach, you're, they're, they're approachable and you're able to ask questions. You're able to, um, to um, get answers and you're able to um, really appraise what is being said behind the pulpit and also away from the pulpit to see if it lines up with the word of God and God's call for uh, his people. The next one is the healthy church places Jesus in his supreme position as king 
and Messiah. Amen. So why don't we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And when you get there, say amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And let's see who could get there first. First Corinthians chapter 5. Oh, who was that? I heard someone say amen. That was Ray. Amen. Good job, Ray. Sounds like somebody wants to leave out there. First Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 1, the Bible says this, it's reported among there, it's reported among that there is a sex, sexual immorality among you and the kind of sexual immorality that is not even to be tolerated among the Gentiles. A man is leaving with his father's wife. And you are arrogant. Shouldn't you be filled with grief and removed from your congregation? The one who did this, even though I am absent in the body, I am present in spirit as one are who is present with you in this way, I've already pronounced judgment on the one who's been doing such a thing. When you assemble in the name of the Lord Jesus, I am with you in spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus. Hand this one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Verse 6, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens a whole batch of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may have a new leaven batch as indeed, you ha as indeed you are. For Christ is our Passover lamb. He has been sacrificed. Therefore let us observe the feast not with the old leaven or with the leaven of malice and evil. But with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I write to you in a letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. I do not mean immoral people of this world are greedy, are swindlers, are idolaters. Otherwise, you would have to leave the world. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister who is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater, or verbally abusive, a drunkard, or a swindler. Do not even eat with such a person. For what business is that of mine to judge outsiders? Don't you judge those who are inside God judges outsiders. Remove the evil person from among you. While we're going to pray right now, the Holy Spirit, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. And we thank you for your word. I pray right now that my words would be um, uh, words that honor you and that lift up your holy name, Lord. I pray that you would encourage hearts, that you would strengthen those who are weary. We pray right now that you would just have your way in our church. I pray that our church, Lord, would be a church that is your church, that you have full dominion and control, Lord, that you lead us, Lord, to walk in ways that honor you, that we would be people of a unity, a people of purity, people of righteousness. And if there's anyone here that's made mistakes, we all have. We pray, Lord, there'd be no condemnation for those who are in Christ, Lord, but you would sanctify us and you would lead us by your power and by your anointing Lord, and we look to you, Lord, and we give you all the honor and all the praise and all of God's people said, amen. So a key thought for tonight is this, a church is to be unleavened since it's been separated from the dominion of sin and death by the perfect Passover lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the first thing that we're going to be looking at is living an unleavened life, living an unleavened life. Now, when you think about this text of the Passover lamb, one of the things that we have to understand is this, is that the Passover lamb, uh, it, it, it's a, a reference that's made in the book of Exodus chapter 12, and the children of Israel are coming out of Egypt. Now, Egypt in the Bible 
what does it represent? It represents the world. It represents the world. And Pharaoh in the Bible, he represents the adversary, the devil. Okay, so we have Egypt as the world and we have Pharaoh as the devil, right? And so the Lord has led um, the children of Israel. They're coming out of Egypt. And the Bible says they're bringing ten plague. God's bringing wrath against the Egyptians for um, just their, their, their hearts being uh, hard and the mistreatment of God's people. And the Bible says that the tenth plague was the, the plague of Passover. Uh, it, was a, it was a plague where God was going to bring judgment on the Egyptians by, kill, by the angel of death coming on this night and killing the firstborn son and the firstborn uh, animal cow that they had there on their property. Now, the unleavened bread was part of the feast of Passover. God gave him a prescription. He said, I want you to eat, I want you to eat um, some unleavened bread. I want you to eat some, some bitter herbs. And I want you to eat uh, the Passover lamb or the Passover goat. And it has to be unblemished and it has to be one year old. Okay, so God. He did this, okay? So the unleavened bread, it, they, the, what the God's people had to do is they had to clear their house of all the yeast. And how many of you ever made homemade tortillas? Or you've ate homemade tortillas? My wife makes the best homemade tortillas in, in the world. They're so good. Oh, I'm sure just good. Oh, gosh. Thank you, Jesus. Eric knows about those homemade tortillas, right? Danny Dalmer knows about those homemade tortillas, right? Some of you know about those homemade tortillas, okay? So you know they're good. But one of the things that my wife does is she throws some yeast in there so the dough can rise, so the dough can grow. But God told his people, don't put no yeast in this dough. It has to be unleavened dough. And so what the Jewish people do uh, during the Feast of Passover, especially Orthodox Jews, is they get some dough of yeast. I'm sorry, no yeast. They clean the, 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 the wife and the women and the children. They clean the whole house and they start sweeping it out and getting all the yeast out of there. Okay? So it's a clean house. And then they get, they get the, 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 the um, unleavened bread, the matzah, and they begin to make it. They put it on a, uh, on a griddle, and they start poking it with holes so it won't rise. So they poke it with holes. And then they put it in this bag, uh, the matzah bag, and it has three openings in there. And they do signify something. But I want to say they start poking it, and uh, it, they, then they eat this bread on seder. And it's a, it's a celebration. It's a dinner in the beginning of Passover, and they have all these different foods that they eat during that time that represent and signify something. Okay, so I got my, I got my matzah bag right here. It's actually a tallit bag. You guys didn't know I was Jewish, huh? Um, and I got, okay, so you see my tallit bag from Israel. Okay. And then I'm going to pull out the matzah bread right here. This is unleavened bread from Israel. No, I'm just playing. It's from, say, it's from um, Albertsons or Ralph's, I think. Go to the kosher aisle. You, you probably haven't been there unless you're, you're, you're Hebrew. Um, but you notice these holes in it? See that right there? See the, those, those 
Sister Gracie, you're going to be my witness, okay? So you see them, okay. For you that are watching online, they're there. For you that are in the back, they're there. You can see them there. So they poke these holes so this unleavened bread wouldn't rise. And during this, um, this dinner, they break, they break it in half and they speak a blessing over it. Now, how many of us know that the Old Testament is full of types and shadows of the New Testament, the better covenant? And how many of us know that Jesus, that he was pierced for us and he was without sin? He was out, without sin. In, in the Bible, 11 op, often represents, it represents negative influence. Like you think about Mark. Why don't you go to the book of Mark, chapter 8, verse 15. And when you get there, say amen. Book of Mark, chapter 8, and verse 15. And amen. So Mark 8:15 Who said amen first? Okay. Mark 8:15 says these words. It says, "And he gave these strict orders, watch out." Jesus said, "Watch out." Let's all say to the church exclamation point. Let's say it. Yes. Okay. Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the, the uh, Herod's followers. Beware. Watch out. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now. For those who are watching online, type in the comments, watch out. I, you have to type them in there. You have to type them in there, okay? Right there. Watch out. Okay, watch out. So watch out, okay. So watch out, and, and, and what I want to say is we need to watch out for certain things in our life, uh, certain negative influences, okay. So you, you think about uh, the text that we just read out of Corinthians. We're going to jump kind of back and forth. I need you to, uh, let's hold on together, okay. So the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter um, Chapter 5 and verse 11, look what the Bible says here about uh, yeast. And then we're going we're gonna to tie it together to what Jesus said. Because how many of you know Jesus said, what Jesus said, that's what really matters. Because he's the Messiah and he's the king. Okay. So the Bible says this in verse 11 of our text. The Bible says this. It says, but actually I wrote to you not to associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister who is sexually immoral are greedy, an idolater, are verbally abusive, a drunkard, are a swindler, are a swindler. Now, these five characteristics, these are what the Pharisees were, and these are what uh, uh, the Her Herod's followers were. They were idolaters. They were sexually immoral. They were greedy, and they were slanderer. Uh, they would slander other people. Okay, so they were. All of these things, all of these things that we had just read about. Okay, so you think about the leaven that Jesus is talking about. He's telling disciples, watch out for the Pharisees because these men are greedy. Watch out for uh, Herod's men because these men are sexually immoral. I'll explain that right now. Okay, so I'm going to start off with sexually immoral. That means someone 
who's living a life that's not in par with God's law. God's law for sexuality is found between one man and one woman and the bond of marriage, and it's a lifelong union. A swindler is someone who cheats someone out of something. A swindler is someone who lies and gets something from someone else that they do in a way without integrity. Now, when you think about somebody who is greedy, that's pretty self-explanatory. It means someone who's big on power or big on having a lot of money. So all these things, the leaven, are certain things that take place inside of our life that could influence us to those five things that we're just talking about. Thinking about that, I want you to think about that today, church. Who is influencing my life? Because all of us here today, we can be influenced by others, myself included. And that's why Paul's saying, watch out because people carry leaven. There's certain things that all of a sudden, you know, you see people that start hanging around with those people, and all of a sudden they start dressing like them. All of a sudden they start walking like them. You guys know people who start walking like people? You, you know, how many of us know there's people that will even start preaching like people? They'll preach like, talk like people. How many of you ever went over to your cousin's house for the summer, and you come back and your mom's like, what the heck happened to you? Because we are influenced. We are influenced. And Paul's saying this, this sexually immoral person that was there, and you think about it, this was something that not only uh, was out of line for the church, it was even out of line for the Greek culture, the Roman culture of this time. They're like, man, this is bad. This guy, he's sleeping with his stepmom. That's bad. That is bad. And um, Paul's saying, you guys are still puffed up and you guys are not dealing with this in the church? He goes, watch out. He goes, you guys have pride and this guy's there in the church and you guys are not taking care of it. You guys, you guys are actually proud because of what's taking place there at the church and it's not being taken care of. He goes, you know what? I take care of it right now. I'm, I'm, I'm. He was not astral projecting to the Corinthian church. He was speaking a letter and he was carrying his authority as a man of God, a woman of God. We do carry authority. There's authority that we carry over our home. There's authority that we carry everywhere we go. And so Paul was using that authority. And so thinking about this text, church, unleavened bread, are you being influenced by someone and I being influenced by someone. A healthy church places Jesus in the supreme position of king and Messiah. And we, it brings us to our next point. So this is what I want to say in regards. I'm going to just wrap that up in one sentence, okay. One sentence, this is what I want to say uh, to that. Is that you and I, as a church... We need to be careful of those who come in our church and those who are in our church that if they're unrepentant, unrepented in their sin, that you and I, we need to watch out for them. We need to appraise what they say and we need to what? We need to set an example of holiness and righteousness. Holiness and righteousness to those people. 
I'm not saying that you, you that you that you you um, if a person makes one mistake, oh, I'm never gonna talk to you. I'm never gonna I'm never hanging out with you ever again. We can't do that. All of us have made mistakes, but there was people who loved us, and the Bible says that when someone does make a mistake, to restore them gently. To restore them gently. And so that's what God has called you and I to do as people uh, that have been under his grace and under the gift of grace that he's blessed us with, okay? So what I want to say to us today as a church is, is that when someone comes, we have to watch out for wolves in sheep's clothing. Everywhere we go, even in our job, even in our community, even, even in, in certain things, we have to watch out for them. And the Bible says, you will know them by their fruit. By their fruit, you will know them, okay? So this evening today, let's go to the next point and let's go to the best point. We're going to be talking about Jesus, the Christ, our Passover lamb. Christ, our Passover lamb. I was um, reading this text today and I was just getting excited because I was thinking about Jesus and what he has done for us, okay? I was, I was really excited because I said, you know what, Jesus, what you've done for us. And then I was thinking about, okay, we go to this point where it says Jesus is the king and Messiah of our life. He's the king and Messiah of our church, amen. And you think about this, this is just a really amazing, amazing thing when you think about Jesus as the king and Messiah. So why don't we lift him up right now, just lift him up where he belongs. Well, yeah, we lift him up, we lift him up. Where he belongs. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. We worship. We magnify your name. Um, so Jesus, we lift him up to as King and Messiah. And how many of you ever went to church? And I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. I probably, I probably have made these titles. Uh, you've heard sermons. Ten ways to be a champion. Come on, guys. You got to laugh for that. Come on. That was, I was just playing. Uh, uh, what's another one? Uh, how stewardship will give you financial freedom. Um, you know, uh, let's think of another one. Um, you know, you church kids, you probably have a million of them right now. We all do, right? Um, uh, victorious living one day at a time. We've all heard those sermons, right? And you know what? We have to be careful we don't get into self-help stuff, right? Because what we preach, uh, what we need to preach, if this is a call for all preachers, is that we preach Jesus. Crucified, risen, and coming again. And we, we, don't want to, uh, we don't want to confuse it with all the great bows and whistles that come part of our life after we serve Jesus. Because God just does a tremendous work. We can't let the minors become the major thing in our preaching. The, the main thing is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We look at our world today. We need to be ready, church. Let's be ready. I'm not saying about having a bunch of bullets and I'm not saying about, you know, having a house in Arizona underneath the ground. Uh, that's not, I'm, I'm saying you need to get the house of your heart. I need to get the house of my heart in the right place. I need the water of the Holy Spirit. I need the bullets of the Holy Ghost. You know, I need, I, need the, I need the helmet of salvation. I need the breastplate of righteousness. I need the sword of the spirit. I need the bout of truth. I need my feet fitted with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I need my, you know, my gospel shoes on. I don't need to be hidden in a mountain up in Arkansas somewhere. You know, I don't need that. I don't need five years worth of food. We know how to fast. 
we'll be okay. It's those people that go to McDonald's five times a day that they're going to really need, you know. But we went on that 21-day fast. But we need to break, another mindset is we need to break the mindset that we can never get attacked here in America. All we have to do is look at history. You think about the, the Spanish War. You think about World War II and Pearl Harbor, uh, what happened there. How all those men had died there. And that was U.S. soil. Uh, we think about um, 9-11. And so we think, we think that America's impenetrable. We think America's just, you know what, let, let's, let's, let's be honest, church. Let's look at history. Let's look at history. And let's look at the word of God. He says be ready. I'm not here to, to, uh, to scare you or to do anything like that, uh, but I'm here to, to, to be truthful with you. Um, look at our world. Uh, what's going on in our world today? We need to get our Passover lamb for our life. See, when Moses went to, God gave Moses a prescription. Everyone say he, he, gave, him, he gave him direction. See, God will always give us direction before something is going to take place. He will. He always will. So God gave him direction. God said, hey, Moses, tell the people of Israel that there's an angel coming. And he said, the angel is the angel of death. And that day, what you're supposed to do is I want you to tell the congregation. And I want you to imagine you guys being there, okay. I want you to imagine. And this is just an example. I want you to imagine that Aaron's here and Moses is here and I'm sitting down there with you and, and, and Moses goes, hey guys, uh, this weekend, go get yourself a lamb. Listen to me because your firstborn child depends on it. Their life depends on it, what I'm, I'm saying right now. Can you imagine you would hear a pin drop in that place? You would just be like the fear of God, right? You need to go get yourself a Passover lamb and what you need to do is you need to go get that lamb. And on, on that night, you need to take your family in the house. How is no, we need to think about our family. Take your family in the house and you need to slaughter that lamb. Can't have no blemish. Uh, it has to be one year old. And you need to get that blood and put it on the left door jam and the right door jam and on the, 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 the lintel, the, the head of the head. He goes, but, you know, these are the places where the blood goes. And he says, this is what you have to do. And you have to be ready to move. You have to be ready to leave. And he says, and you have to eat your food fast. Somebody say, that's not a problem for me, Pastor. I could eat my food real fast. <laughs> Hello, somebody. We can, right? So I know that, I know that, um, okay, we have to eat the food fast. And then he says, I want you to leave out of that place. So that night, I want you to imagine going to sleep and having the blood there. And right there, the angel of death is walking through, the, is walking through there. And every place is looking for the blood. It's looking for the blood. And when it sees the blood, what it does is it just passes over. Passes over those houses. How many of us know that when we serve God, the enemy comes to destroy us. But when he sees the blood of Jesus Christ over us and our children, that he has to pass over. He has to pass over the destruction that he wanted to bring inside of our life. 
There's a principle here that we see of Jesus, the Passover lamb. So the angel of death came and it couldn't, it couldn't do nothing because it's seen the blood. How many of you plead the blood of Jesus over your family? How many of you are pleading the blood of Jesus over your children? How many of you are pleading the blood of Jesus over your future? You're saying, oh, Lord, I plead your blood, God. Lord, I plead the precious blood of Jesus over my mind. I plead the precious blood of Jesus over my future, over my destiny, over my son, over my daughter. Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus. Lord, I plead it over, Lord, the future of my life. I plead the blood of Jesus. Lord, it's something that I'm thank you're thankful for the blood of Jesus because, you know, without the blood, there would be no forgiveness of your sins. You know there will be no forgiveness of your sins. Now, for you that are here today, you say, okay, I, 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 what are you talking about? Well, in, in, in these Bible times, they had to kill a lamb or a goat and they had to use the blood to, to kind of just push back the sin, the penalty for sin. And they postponed the penalty, postponed the penalty, postponed the penalty so the people wouldn't die in their sin, okay. So they, so they wouldn't, so they, they, they could be uh, made right with God. That's what they had to do every time they sinned. Some of you, you would have to kill a million goats. Why? Because you were just a bad sinner. If we were living in the Old Testament, this place would be full of blood. It would be stinky. It would be ugly. It would be nasty. And th this is, this is uh, what took place in the New Testament. Jesus came. And the Bible says he was the final sacrifice. He was the, he was the perfect sacrifice. One and done. We don't need to kill no more bulls and no more goats when we sin. Why? Because the blood of Jesus wipes, washes away all of our sin. The blood of Jesus washes away all of our sin and all of our transgression, the, 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 there's power in the blood. That's why you think about the blood, you're like, man, you know, when we really think about the blood, it transforms our life. When we really think about what the, the, the blood of Jesus, it transforms our life because we know how valuable and how precious and how awesome the blood of Jesus is. Why? Because we have been forgiven of our sin. It's not by our works that you and I are saved. It's not by, oh, you know what, uh, if I do this and this and this, oh, I'm going to be right standing with God. No, it's the blood of Jesus that washes away all of our sins. And there's wonder-working power in the blood. How many remember that song? There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. In the blood of the Lamb. There's power in the blood. Okay, so now that we understand that there's power in the blood of Jesus... Uh, you and I, we know that no matter what sin that, uh, th that you've ever done, this is some good news today. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, God got good news for you. Okay, this is some good news. No matter what sin you've ever done, what sin you've ever done, God wants to forgive you of it. That's a, some, that's a gift. That's a gift. God wants to forgive you of those sins. And uh, maybe you're here today and you, you think about, man, that sin I did. Oh, man, that sin was so bad. And, and, and you feel shame and you feel guilt and you feel uh, condemnation. And you know what? That's what the devil did there in Egypt. He had people slaves to the past. But when you and I accept God's forgiveness by faith in him, and you and I know how valuable the blood is. 
you and I take those words by faith that I am forgiven. I am new. I am set free. I am no longer the same man or same woman I used to be. I've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That means that what bought you, it was the blood that bought you. It was the blood that bought me. It was the blood of Jesus that bought me. See, Jesus was paying a price there on Calvary. He was paying a price for your sin and for my sin and for those that are watching online for your sin and for your cousin's sin, all those sins that you ever done. And th those, those sins now when we confess them to God, say, God, please forgive me of my sin, Lord. I confess them to you, Lord. Lord, those sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ. They're under the blood. Now, when something's uh, under the blood, today, God, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to give us a revelation right now, okay? When it's under the blood, we don't go digging no more. When something's under the blood, we don't try to go back no more. And to pull out those, those skeletons and to pull out those memories and say, why did I do that? I'm so dumb. Why, why did I do that terrible sin? You and I need to say, Lord, your blood is precious to me. And, Lord, I don't see those sins no more, but right now I see your blood. I see the blood. And the blood of Jesus is more than enough for any payment of sin that is necessary because the blood is so valuable. How many of you know tonight that the blood of Jesus is powerful? It is powerful. It is powerful. It is not only powerful, but it's valuable. Valuable. The blood of Jesus is the most valuable thing in the world, in, in humanity. It's the most valuable thing that was ever given. It is the most valuable thing that was ever given, the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay, so it was given. It was valuable. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But can we go back to the Passover? Now, the Passover, he said, do not put the blood uh, on the floor. Now, I need you to go with me to the Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 29. And when, you, and when we get there, let's say amen. Book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 29. And the Bible says these words in verse 29. I encourage you to read Hebrews chapter 10. The Bible says these words in verse 29. It says, how much worse punishment do you think one will deserve who has trampled on the Son of God, who has regarded as profane the blood of the covenant by which ye were, which he was sanctified, and who has insulted the spirit of grace, for we know the one who has said, vengeance belongs to me, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. The Bible says this, this to us, how much worse punishment do you think one will deserve who has trampled on the Son of God and is regarded as profane the blood of the covenant? What the Bible is saying to you and I today, 
I believe he's saying that these words that the blood does not belong on the floor. The blood does not belong on the floor. We don't walk over the blood. God prescribed them in the Old Testament, Passover. It goes on the door jam, left side, the right side. It goes on the lintel. It doesn't go on the floor. What goes on the floor? What do we walk over? We walk over things that we don't care about. We walk over things that we don't think about. We walk over things that we don't pay attention to. Hello. I know when I'm walking and I'm not paying attention, I'm going over things that I should be paying attention to. Things that I should be watching for. And so when you and I get to that place where you and I are no longer valuing the blood, we're like, you know what? We get to the place where we... Will we become professional Christians and we just lose out on having that mindset of thank thankfulness for him? I can become a professional Christian. I'm preaching to myself today. I know the lingo. I, you know the lingo. You, you, you've heard all the three-point sermons. You've heard the five. You, could, you, could, you can preach. You know, you, you've, see, you've seen things. You've been, you've been there and things. You've served God for a long time. But we cannot lose out that today can be our, our very last day. This could be our final service. It could be for my final message. And what matters is do I love Jesus? Am I in love with him? Am I really in love with him? Is he the apple of my eye? Am I really in love with Jesus? And let me ask you the question. Today, are you in love with Jesus? Are you really in love with him? Are you, are you in love with ministry? Because there's a difference. We can get in love with ministry because we love ministry. Because we can be good at ministry. Because we can become professional at ministry. Because we get a pat on the back in ministry. We know how to lead Bible studies. We know how to do our ministry. We know how to sing. We know how to, how, to, how to do that. But are we doing it for Jesus? Are we doing it for him? Is Danny doing it for Jesus? Am I really doing it for him? Or am I just doing it just to do it? No, church. How do we know that we're not just doing it just to do it? Because when we're doing it for him, he's the Messiah of our life. He is the king of our life. That he is like, Lord, you're number one, God. You're all that I want. Lord, help me, Lord, to not be professional, mechanical, hypocritical, looking at all the problems of the church. Instead of looking at the good of the church, there's always going to be bad in every single church. And this church too. You guys can pick upon my, my sermons. You guys can pick apart my teaching skills. You guys can pick apart uh, the youth leaders. You can pick apart the Royal Ranger teachers. You can pick apart our parking lot. You can pick apart our, it, it's, you can pick apart everything. I could do the same thing. I could be picking apart you. Man, they're not here on time. They're, man, what's going on? Like, why weren't they here last Sunday? You know, why, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? I see that, I see, you know, I see what they're doing on, on social media. I, I see, what I see what they're doing, you know, going, you know, I see it. And I could be like, you know, just, and you know what that would do to me? It would discourage me. But let me say this, church. I'm not doing this for you. 
Because if I was, I would have left a long time ago. Did I just say that? Stop the live stream. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> if I was doing this for me, I would have been in Minnesota a long time ago. I would have been very far right now. I, how many had plan B? We all, we all have a plan B, right? I wanted to be a lawyer. That's what I wanted to be. That's what I wanted to be. But God, and I was one day in a library, and God, he, he showed me something different. His Holy Spirit met me in that library. Someone from Norwalk called me during that season and said, you need to answer the car. God's going to hang up on you. See, I was, I was thinking living to make money. I was thinking, man, money, I could do this. I could do this. That was my plan B. But now I'm in too deep. God, he's, God, he, how many of you know that God, he can, he'll, he'll do a Jonah move, move on you. You think you're going to Nineveh, God's about to rock your boat right now. Oh, I'm going somewhere. No, you know what? God's about, turn to your neighbor and say, God's about to rock your boat. God's about to rock your boat. Let me say this. Your journey with God is going to be the most exciting thing that you've ever been a part of. You know what? What if I became a lawyer? That would be boring. I'd be driving Mercedes Benz and going back to the same house. I never would have met you. You never would have known me. I never would have been a part of this crazy church here in Whittier. I'll be somewhere right now looking at a law book just going, oh, okay, okay, looking at this law book over and over. What a boring life. But tomorrow night I'm, I'm going to begin going to outreach with y'all and we're going to be having a good time telling people about Jesus. We're going to see all these things. But you say, Danny, you know, God has a crazy plan for you. But let me say this, God has a crazy plan for you. You don't know where you're going to be in five years from now. You don't know what he's going to do inside of your life if he tarries. But let me say this, God has an amazing, crazy plan for your life. And it's going to come to pass, not in being professional, but being personal with him. You're not going to find his will being professional. You're going to find his will surrendering to him, saying, Lord Jesus, take control. Take the will. Have your way. Lord, do what you're going to do inside of my life, Lord. Lord, I don't know what the next step is, Lord, but I'm just going to stand here by faith, and I'm going to take it one day at a time. I'm going to say, Jesus, you're going to be number one in my life. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you're going to do it. I know you're going to bring it because you're faithful to all your promises, Lord. And I know that when any attack comes my way, I know that your blood is going to protect protect me. I know that your blood is going to direct me. I know that your blood is going to see me through to the other side because you are the king of my life. You are the king of my life. And when Jesus is the king of your life, get ready. Put on your safety belt. He's about to rock your boat. He's about to rock your boat. Man, he's so good. He's just amazing. So good. As the worship team makes their way up here today, the blood. When was the last time we thought about it? When was the last time we pleaded it over our children as they're sleeping, laying hands on them? When was the last time you pleaded the blood of the lamb over your unsafe spouse and just say, Lord, change him, deliver him? When was the last time you pleaded it over, over your situation that you've been praying for and believing God for? When was the last time 
that we pleaded the blood of Jesus Christ. There's supernatural wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus. It is, he is the same today, yesterday, and forever. The ones who change is us. It's not him. He does not change. He is true to his word. He, his word is true. His word is true. He says, let every man be a liar, but God is true. God is on the throne. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. He's the, he, he wants to do uh, what he's called you to do for his will and for his glory. He has an amazing, 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 amazing destiny for you. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love him. Do you love him? We love him tonight. And maybe you're here tonight, you don't know Jesus. You know what, I would like to accept Jesus. I'm going to do something a little different. Is that okay? I'm going to do something different. I'm not going to tell you no more to close your eyes and bow your head. I'm not going to do that no more. I'm, saying, hey, I'm not going to say close your eyes, bow your head. You know what, because we're about to have a celebration. If there's someone here today that's going to give their life over to Jesus. I want us all to see. I want us all to see, okay. So going forward, uh, let's not tell people bow your heads, close your eyes. There's nothing to be ashamed of right now. We, we, don't, we don't want to, you know, slowly bring people up here. We want people, if they're here today and they want to accept Jesus, we want everyone to see. Why? Because the Bible says that Jesus in, in heaven, that the angels celebrate. Jesus said that they celebrate over one sinner coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. One sinner. Now, I remember when I was 17, I started off and I was talking about the greatest moments in church. Um, I started the sermon talking about that. I think I was 16 or 17. I was a bad church kid. I mean, I was bad. I was, I was very sinful, very sinful kid. And I, was, I would mock my dad who was a preacher. I would mock him. I would, I would doing a lot of bad things. And I remember one day my dad was preaching. I think I was 16 years old. And I remember hearing the message of the gospel. I remember sitting in the back, uh, wherever I was sitting, I don't remember exactly. But I remember raising my hand and going up to the altar. I remember crying at the altar. And I remember the Holy Spirit just touching my life. And I remember the forgiveness, just forgiveness there at that altar. And that was one of the greatest memories of my life. Do you guys remember that when you met Jesus like that? You said, Lord, forgive me. It might have been in Sunday school when you were 12 years old. It might have been when you were 16 years old there at the Rise Youth. It might have been, at, you know, at, you know, the battle when the Holy Spirit just met with you there as you were swimming with your friends. But you know what I'm talking about. And that happened to me. And I remember crying and just weeping. And I just remember something changing here in my heart. And today, maybe you're here today and you want to accept Jesus like I did, like all of us did. And before we do, how many of you have already accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior so we can let everybody know? Raise your hand up right where you're at. Wow, we have some. I think everybody knows Jesus here. Praise God. Well, if you don't, we're going to give you the opportunity right now. We want it. We want, and, and when they raise their hand, if they do, if there's anyone here, let's all clap and just get so excited. Like, like we're just so happy. Why? Because someone's joining the family and there's someone that, they're, that if, if they uh, accept the Lord, their life's never going to be the same, right? So if you're here today and you want to accept Jesus, all right, what I want you to do right now is I want you just to stand up. Just stand up right where you're at if you want to accept Jesus, right where you're at. Right where you're at. And for you that are watching online, if you could just stand up there in your living room, stand up there at your home. Okay, so let me say this. I think we're all saved here today. Let's just be honest. But tomorrow we're having outreach. And what's going to happen Sunday, we're praying for people to get saved this Sunday, okay.
we're praying for people to get saved this Sunday, right? So tomorrow, even as we go out to the streets, we'll be praying for people that they accept the Lord Jesus as we share the gospel message, okay? So with you that are watching online, maybe there's someone there. And how many of you know we have to be important for those who are watching online? Maybe there's somebody there and you want to accept Jesus. I want you to repeat this prayer with me. And for you that are here, if you want just to uh, rededicate your life, we're, let's all do it as a church. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for all my sins. I believe that you died and that you rose again on the third day. From this day forward, my life is yours. Thank you for your blood that you shed for me on Calvary. Amen.